From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast Hot Takes Edition after Florida State gets blown out 41-17 to by Pittsburgh. So, yeah, as always, this show brought to you by EPR Creations, Garage Makeovers, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, and Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Thanks very much to those folks for uh, helping keep me on the air here. Although really, in times such as these, does anybody really want to hear more about this game? About this team? Do I really want to be on the air? Why are we doing this? (laughs) Oh, there is a point of existential questioning sometimes when you wonder why you uh, spend the time breaking things down that you do and all of that. But this is a job, so let's get to it. Florida State, just plain and simple, did not look very good today. And, um, you know, what's amazing is this was a game where they were a scoop and score away from blowing this game open and basically ending this game. And, I mean, it was an obvious forward pass. It was the right call. But one play there, and all of a sudden you're up 21-24-3. And this game's probably over. (laughs) And my oh my, did things change rather rapidly once they actually actually got going beyond that. I, I mean, yeah, the yards per play on this one, they tell the story that ultimately Florida State got just flattened their butts kicked on the offensive side of the ball. Now, interesting thing is defensively, you know, you'd think given the 41 points, you'd think like, man, they, they, they really sucked on defense too. You know what? 5.6 yards per play. It's basically on Pitt's season average. Not a, not a performance that you write home about defensively, but also not horrendous. Not not something that uh, that you're thrilled with in terms of giving up four yards per carry to a team that had struggled to run the football all year. But that was a defensive performance that you you can kind of survive if you don't have 21 points given up just by by interceptions. And really, that's where this game that that's what this game turned on, and that's why this game was a 41 to 17 score. The end of the day, it's fourteen to three. You're you're in pretty good situation, feeling pretty good about yourself. And then that's when Jordan Travis throws the interception deep in Florida State territory. Four plays later, thirty-two yard drive touchdown, and at that point, from that point forward, you look at those drives. That that touchdown followed by a field goal, followed by a touchdown, followed by a touchdown. And all of a sudden, the lead's gone, and you're looking at a 24 to 17 deficit at the half, as in, as opposed to the you felt confident, you felt pretty good. And if you watch that that first portion of the game, felt like you know this Florida State team actually might be able to win this game. They, they sh- they've, they've got a shot, even though this was something in the preview we talked about. If Kenny Pickett plays in this game, probably favor Pitt. 
and you know, without the three interceptions, even without the three interceptions, it's still twenty. It's still twenty to seventeen, Pitt over Florida State. So if you just assume everything, all all else being equal, and you can't, I know you can't do that, but if you assume all else being equal, it's twenty to seventeen, even without those three picks. It's the three picks that make this game completely different in terms of 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 the scoring difference. Twenty one points from those three interceptions, but anyway, that changes things right there where. You, you are all of a sudden, and, and, and actually, you know what? I'm going to step back to that again. Florida State had the momentum. And like I said, it looked like they were going to, they potentially could run away with this game. That interception and the, the response to it. And especially, I mean, they came back and actually the, the next drive, they had an 11 play drive, only went 28 yards on an 11 play drive and then turned it over on downs. They, they, uh, they weren't able to, uh, to, to get anything done on that conversion. But all you have to do is watch, is go back, go back the last two, three years. And you can see a team that over and over again, when they're front running bunch, when they, when things are going well, North Carolina game, get off to a good start with that block punt. You get, couple other things that go your way and all of a sudden you are out to the races and you look like a nationally ranked team. And then something just goes slightly wrong and this team just does not know how to handle it. You've got a team that doesn't really have any leadership. You have a team that doesn't, they just don't know how to handle it when the momentum goes against them. I've never seen a program more negatively affected, more negatively impacted by the winds of momentum. And really, I mean, momentum is kind of what you make it. But this team, if anything, just starts to go wrong. They, oh, here we go again. And you can just watch it with these guys. And the last staff was amazed by that. I know, I know Willie Taggart's staff was just amazed by like, guys, why is it that if anything goes wrong, you guys, did? and they couldn't figure out a way to fix it. And so far, it looks like Mike Norvell and his staff haven't figured out a way to fix it. And you have to learn, you have to, you have to, Learn your way out of that. You have to work your way out of that. Because that's a mentality. And man, when things go, when things start to go wrong for this team, they just completely spiral out of control. Now, I I will give credit. I, I think you've got to give credit to the defense for a major goal line stand. I mean, they're they were down, they're down big. And you know, you're down 38 38-17. And that's, they, they take three shots, three, three physical play, uh, run plays into the middle of the line, line of scrimmage and the defense bowed up and actually took care of business. And you go, you know, you can build on that. Why, why is it that, the, that you guys can't respond like that all the time in terms of effort, in terms of overall energy when things aren't going well? And maybe you can look at that and say, how do you, how do you build from that? But aside from that, you just look at this game and you go, where was the fight? Where, where is, how does, who is going to step forward and be able to handle things when the momentum isn't perfect? And, but like I said, it wasn't just the one interception. It's the timing of these things for, you get the one interception that changes the momentum and then they score on the last four drives of the first half. Well, for the last five, they, they didn't score on the final drive of the first half. But they score in the next four drives. 
And then you come out and Jordan, uh, Jordan Travis doesn't come out for the second half, obviously concussion. I mean, you, that, that last sack on the, on the final drive of the first half, the, if you look at the hit that he took from behind, he was very clearly com- concussed after that hit. He stayed out there cause he's a tough guy, but it was, it's pretty obvious that once it went back in the, uh, in the locker room and they started talking to him, I was like, uh, we need to get it. We need to get a test on this guy. Yeah. He's concussed. He's done. I mean, it was pretty simple. That's straightforward. He's going to be in the concussion protocol. I'm, I'm guessing he'll go concussion protocol and be questionable for Saturday's game. But then you come out and you, you put James Blackman on the field. And I presume you put Blackman on the field because you believe at this point that he is, a, you can, you have a more likely chance of winning with him, with his experience and putting him in that situation than you do with Chubba Purdy. I mean, that's, that's why you do it. And you can see why, I mean, when, when they actually put Chubba Purdy on the field, you can see why they might've had reason to think that he's Purdy is a long ways away in terms of understanding of the offense, in terms of what they actually can run with him at this point. I mean, you're looking at a guy that missed a lot of camp. He missed the first six weeks of the, of the season. And you you just can't make that up. It's not, not that easy, not that easy. And, you know, this is why freshman quarterbacks that are going to have success pretty much always are early enrollees. And if they're not early enrollees, they at least get a full camp where they're taking a lot of a lot of snaps with the ones. Well, Purdy is not not that. He's not had that opportunity. And you can see he really just did not look comfortable. But they gave him some opportunities out there. And this is the thing. You got to worry because you don't want a guy that's not ready to go out there all that much because you worry about ruining him. If a guy can't go out there and, and make the reads in your system and really do all the all the stuff that you want him to do, and the game's moving really really fast for him, it's easy it's it's easy for that to stay the way things are. That's the hard part. So you can see why they did that. But then Blackman goes out there and promptly throws an egregious interception. I'm talking about directly to the safety, and all all he had to do was do his job and get his eyes to the safety on the on the snap to to verify coverage. He he just assumed on the on the snap that that was going to be quarters coverage, just like what Pitt runs 85, 90% of the time. And they just happened to sucker him by going against that trips look, going into a cover three type look and, and rolling that safety down right into that into that flat zone. And he just never checked. He trusted his pre-snap read, never checked. Well, if that's what you're going to get, and I can I can hear Norvell and and Dilly on the on the phones at this point. Well, if that's what we're going to get from him, then we might as well play Purdy. Might as well stick him in there and see if he can. he's going to do stuff because he's probably going to do the same sorts of things, but you might as well let him learn. And Purdy went out there and they also, I mean, after that, went punt, 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 interception, punt. And so, you know, fans who were hoping that, that Chubba Purdy would be the answer to really turn things around this year, uh, guys, that's just not going to happen. He's not ready. And, you know, you can, you can see some of the potential there. You can see some of the things that, that made him a high, high profile recruit. You know, he clearly has some good physicality about him. Uh, got some good straight speed. He's nowhere near as quick as, as a guy like Jordan Travis, but good straight speed, live arm. I'm, I'm not really 
excited, especially excited about his release. I, I'm not, uh, I don't like his throwing motion as much as I, I would like to like his throwing motion, but a stronger arm and more arm talent overall than, than Jordan Travis has, but miles behind Travis as a quarterback at this point. I mean, Travis is a guy that when things break down, you can see the game moves slower for him. Even when he makes mistakes, it's not because the game is just moving 100 miles an hour for him. He's capable of slowing down when he's out there. Purdy, the, everything's still going 110 miles an hour. So it's just going to take some time. I mean, that, this is the thing. When you've got freshmen, when you're in a new system surrounded by guys that aren't really doing great around you, it's tough. And if there's if there was any doubt about who, aside from Jordan Travis, was the most important player on the Florida State offense, I, I think that question was answered today. And that's that's clearly Devontae Love Taylor. And you know, I've I've been very clear that I think he's the best guard on this team. I think he's I think he would be much better. The the offensive line would be much better if they could play him at guard. But as soon as he went off the field at offensive tackle, Florida State just couldn't block. They could not block Pitt. And the game was over after that. Jordan Travis on the field or not. Because Pitt was in the backfield the rest of the game. You had the one long Jordan Travis run right after Love Taylor got hurt. But beyond that, after that, seven sacks for minus 50 yards. They couldn't block him. They could not block Pitt's front. And then once you take out that 88-yard run, 27 carries for 108 yards. 4.0 yards per carry on the, on the night. So, you know, you say, okay, well, maybe you should maybe you should have stuck with the run a little bit more in the second half. Maybe, you know, four yards a carry, you still got a chance to at least do something. I mean, I understand why they didn't. Because being behind and all that, and, and you've got a guy that you're hoping maybe can throw the football a little bit more. But I do think that they kind of shot themselves in the foot by trying to throw it a little bit too much in the second half. And I think they let themselves get schemed, schemed out of that, to be honest. This is a situation where Pitt decided to stack the line of scrimmage against Purdy, and they decided, mm, given these looks, these are past looks, we got to throw it. And at some point, with a young guy like that, some point you probably just have to run it and say well you know if we can't run it we can't run it i mean i understand the mentality i mean it's you're you're kind of between a rock and a hard place there because i also believe in throwing it on first down with your with a freshman quarterback with a young quarterback with a guy that's limited you throw it on first down so i don't know it's 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 a hard thing to assess there easy to play monday morning quarterback or hot takes quarterback hot takes offensive coordinator after this sort of thing but you know, I, I think a few things really just do stand out when you look at this game. Defensively, with Marvin Wilson, Travis J, Green, and of course, uh, Hamsa out, that defense just didn't have a whole lot of teeth. So it was, a, it was an average defense that played average. And then offensively, once Love Taylor went out, you could see that offensive line just got overwhelmed in pass blocking in particular. And then Travis had a hard, had a hard enough time. And then once he went out, they, they, they just don't have another guy right now that can give you confidence at the quarterback position and can 
make some of the plays that, that Travis makes. It's as simple as that. I mean, I, I'm not going to waste anybody's time beyond this. I don't know that there's a whole lot of a whole lot more to say right now. I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at, I'm, why do I do this to myself? I'm going to go back and I'm going to look closer at some of this stuff. And if there's anything more to say, I'm going to put some stuff up on Patreon. I'll probably do another midweek episode or early week episode looking at some of the other stuff. But that that's basically my thoughts. And it's just not, the reality is that it's just not a pleasant place. It's not a pleasant time to, uh, to be looking at Florida State football. That's ugly football. That's not a good football team. And no one no one on the Florida State coaching staff is going to pretend that this is good football, that this is anything close to what they want, to the standard. And, you know, at this point in the season, you can't just point to COVID-19 and other things and say, well, you know, obviously the shortened offseason, well, you're coming off a bye, man. You had a chance to get some things fixed, and, it, and some things, in fairness, did look a little better, but... You can't, you just cannot have those things, those sorts of things happen. But at the same point, you're not going to be very successful on offense if you can't block. And there we are. So yeah, I, I don't really know what to, what else to say. We're just going to go ahead and wrap it there. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop, which features stickers, magnets, and other Seminole gear. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. As well as Jonathan Kennedy and Tyler Kashishki. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>